Um, my name is Bryce. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm in recovery from fear of man, pride, low self-worth, and this past week, I'm responding to people out of insecurity. Hey, y'all. So if you've been with us, John Elmore recent, last week spoke on chapter 6, and chapter 6 is this. By grace, through faith, you have died to your old self. Being a slave to a master of sin, you've been resurrected into new life, not better, but new, into new life under Jesus as him being your new benevolent king and master. That's chapter six. Tonight, we're talking about chapter seven, um, and I love chapter seven. If you're here in this room and you are a believer, this chapter is for you. If you are not a believer, this gives you a peek into what the life of a believer is, and it very, very much relates to you as well. And so that's what we're talking about, chapter seven. Um, so it, during Christmas time, our team likes to get together and to do a couple of things. We like to have a fire. Um, John will have us over. We like to just hang out with each other, so we spend a time during Christmas together. And last year, because John's just kind and like a really generous person, he got us all some gifts. I remember, I think he got Lois like a nice speaker or whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> he was like, hey, Bryce, here's your gifts. And he handed me these two gifts, and one was a like gray backpack that had like a USB cord sticking out of it. And I was like, oh, John, what's this? And he was like, oh, it's like a cool backpack, right? And I'm like, yeah. And then he hands me this watch, and this Casio watch that's gold, like gold-plated. It's not gold-plated, it's painted, gold-painted. And it's this one right here. So he handed me both of these. He handed me the backpack and the watch, and I accepted both of them. And I was like, John, thank you so much. And the difference between the backpack and the watch is that the backpack's in my garage, I think, collecting dust. It's been there for about a year. And this watch, I have not taken off since I got it. Like, when I got it, I was like, yo, I love this thing so much. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because it's gold. But I literally, like, got, oh, this won't come off. Anyways, I'm trying to show you my watch tan. Anyways, here's the watch. And then I got a, wa a gnarly watch tan. It comes with me everywhere I go. Not because I just simply accepted it, because I wanted it and it belongs to me. So it's with me everywhere I go. Chapter seven in the book of Romans starts exactly like that, talking about the idea of marriage. It says, you've died to the old self, you've been resurrected to new life in Christ. And the love that he had pursued you in to resurrect you from the dead is not one in that he just allows you in to the club, but he comes to you, he pursues you and he chooses you. Um, and he, so he uses this idea of marriage that you become, you die to this old covenant, this old way of living into this new way of living because of what God has done for you. He says this um, in chapter four and verse four, he says, likewise, my brothers, you have also died to the law through the body of Christ. Why? So that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, Jesus in order that we may bear fruit for God. He says, when you, you have not just died so you could become a Christian or like that you could do better things, you have died to the um, law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to Jesus. It's not just like this, it's not just a club change. Like you, you belong to a loving father who went to great lengths to show you his love for you. And so, um, and he knew your sin, like let's not play around. He knew your sin before you even committed it. He like knew the motive in your heart before you committed the sin. So there was nothing you could ever do to out sin God's grace because he bought you in the midst of the deepest darks and darks part, darkest part of it. Um, but when we begin to function like we have to like earn his love or we begin to think 
like we have to earn his acceptance or something, um, you, start re- you start going back to the old way of your old master. And he calls that adultery. Like when you begin to view Jesus in your relationship with him as, in, as the way it was when you, um, didn't, when you were under this, the slavery of Satan, you begin to function like this. And this is what Paul's trying to say in the very beginning, is that you're not accepted by God. You're not. You're wanted by God. There's a huge difference. You, because of God's love for you, because he wants you, he didn't take you in and set you in the garage to collect dust, but he brings you everywhere he goes. So much so that it marks him. It's marked his hands and it's marked his feet and marked his side that he would go to great lengths to die for you, that you would become a resurrected being, you would be reanimated into your original purpose, and you would walk alongside him for the rest of your days on into eternity. That's what Paul starts out with, God's love for you, that you belong to him. And then he's gonna be really real with us. He then starts talking about this idea of sin. It's like, okay, well, now that I know that, like we talked about in chapter 6, 6, you're now an instrument of righteousness. Hey, I know that I have belonged to Jesus but there's still this like sin thing that happens in my heart that I still fall to sin all the time. And he's gonna address that. So this is what um, I was talking to my team earlier today. It's like, I mean, I feel like chapter seven was for me because I've just been struggling. I mean, I can talk more about that later on, Um, but I've been struggling a lot and he's just gonna address this idea of sin in the life of the Christian. Like, what do we do? And I need y'all to hear this. This is kind of like the second movement of chapter seven. It says, you don't need a covering, you need a cleansing. You don't need a covering, you need a cleansing. This is what I mean by covering. Who here, by a show of hands, has watched um, Full House when you were younger? Or like, I guess when you were, you know, not too long ago. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. That's not like an old joke. I just... Try to correct myself. Um, well, I, let's move on. Okay, so when I would go home after school and elementary school, I'd just watch it because it was on. And I remember there was this episode, if y'all know DJ Tanner, um, Sierra graciously reminded me that it wasn't her mom that walked into the room, it was her aunt because her mom passed away. And so maybe that was unhelpful to mention too. But <laughs> DJ's aunt walks into the room and she sees DJ and she's wearing all this makeup and it's got, she's got purple and blue and all these things on her face. And she kind of does that condescending like, honey, like, uh, let me help you. And she comes over there and she's like wearing like caked and makeup, right? And she said, listen, DJ, the secret to makeup is not knowing that it's there. I, I heard that in elementary school and it stuck with me for some reason. I don't know why. But <laughs> because like <laughs> I wasn't wearing makeup, but <laughs> um, so <laughs> It stuck with me, and I was like, I don't know why. But because, and I was like, why is that? Why is, why is the secret to makeup not knowing that it's there? Is because it's not um, made, to, it, the original purpose of it is not to be visible. It's to cover um, blemishes. It's to hide something. It's not to show something. It's to hide it. And so you put on makeup to cover up um, these um, blemishes or these things that you do not want to be seen. Right, that's the purpose of marriage, or not marriage, what? Makeup, (laughs) and we can talk about that later. Uh, (laughs) The purpose of makeup is to hide something. And so some of y'all ladies, y'all do it really well, and it's incredible, and y'all keep popping off, I like that. But y'all are no match for one of these bad man pajamas. If you ever see, ooh, I heard it. Yeah, yes, (laughs) one of these. So you got the normal side, the less like bad side, and then you got the, 
death mirror side. I'll call this death mirror because it kills your confidence, all right? <laughs> so you, what you do is you put on makeup and to cover up these, these blemishes or these things that you're trying to hide. And you can do it as much as you want. And, so, and a lot of times you get by, right? No one notices until you interact with the mirror of death. And then you look into it and no matter how well you cover, no matter how well you cover, no, I mean, what is it, cosmetics or cosmetology or something like that, when you do the makeup stuff, no matter how good you are at it, when you look at this, bo- this bad boy close enough, it's over, especially when you got one of these light things. Yeah, yeah, you see everything. Um, yeah, I don't want it anymore. Um, <laughs> but I make that point to say, um, when, you, when you have these, um, I, it's, I keep forgetting the word, it's not iniquities, but anyways, you have these blemishes in your body's in your body and you go to the mirror and you see them and it reveals it to you, it would be a really weird and dumb thing to like blame the mirror and smash it. Some of y'all probably do that. That's not the right thing to do. That's acting out of anger. Um, Confess that. But um, it's not the mirror that causes the problem. The problem is already within you. It's not causing you to be bad or to have a blemish or have some problematic issue with your skin. Your skin already has it, it's just revealing it. And Paul's getting to that, he's talking about the law. He says, so now that you've been following Jesus and you come to the scripture, you come up to the law and you don't measure up, he's like, well, is the law bad then? Because like, if I didn't know what the law was, then like maybe I wouldn't have sin. He's like, no, 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 the law is good. You had sin already within you, it just revealed it. So Paul says this in chapter, or verse, 12 and 13, he says, so the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. The mirror, it says, did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good. What he means by that is just by revealing to me from something good. In order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. The law is something good that reveals something bad. The the mirror's not the problem. The problem is here, right? Or here, if you're looking in that mirror. Um, No matter how hard you try to cover it up, like no matter how much you try to um, change the way you look or just hide the way that you truly are, the law shows you what's underneath. Like that thing's way too good. It can see through the makeup. It reveals the difficulties under the mask. And what he means by this in, this, in verse 13, he says, in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. What he means by sinful beyond measure is that the law sees deeper than just your external actions. Like we try to, we try to read our Bible we try to not, you know, like take the Lord's name in vain or whatever it is, or don't commit murder, whatever it is you try not to do in order to cover up this difficulty of sin beneath the, beneath the surface, this law sees. So really, but some of you are in here like, well, I'm not struggling with porn or I'm not struggling with alcohol. The law sees beneath the porn. It sees beneath the alcohol and the drugs and the abuse. Whatever it is on this ex, out of the outside of your body that you commit, whatever that is, it sees beneath that. And so you can't get away from this idea of like, oh, well, at least I'm not doing these things. No, 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 it sees straight to the heart because the scripture says that God sees the motive that causes you to go to these things like pornography and alcoholism. In 2 Samuel 16, verse seven, The second half, God says this, man looks on the outward appearance, 
Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Man looks on the outside, God looks on the inside. Man looks at what I can do on the outside to make sure I can cover up this problem that's within me. But God says, no matter what you do on the outside, I see what's in you. Because I'm not coming for your behavior. I'm not coming for your habits. I'm coming for your heart. And, and I know, here, here's the thing, um, is I know, like, if, you, if you've been in this room, you've been trying to follow Jesus for some time, and you're, maybe you're in region for, like, the fourth time, like, let's be real. We know what it feels like to be following Jesus and then to have this, like, this thing happen where we, like, fall to sin. And, like, we know that we shouldn't do it, but we, like, do it anyway. And... Then we stop doing a particular type of sin. We're like, oh, yeah. Like, you stopped watching porn. But then all of a sudden, like, pride becomes stronger and more mighty than ever in your life. And you're like, what the heck's going on? Like, I can't, I can't get away from this thing called sin. And it, beca- it can become really exhausting. And it can kind of hurt. Like, for me, being a fear of man type person, like, wanting to be better so that people will like me or whatever that looks like, um, when I struggle with sin, it can make me not want to talk about it because I don't want people to view me as less. Um, and so it can kind of hurt. It can cause me to hide. It can cause me to cover, cover my sin. And, but it's welling up inside of me. And the thing about it is, is because of the law, God gives you the law because it's good and it's righteous. He's doing it to reveal sin in your heart. He's not trying to harm you. He's trying to heal you. God's not trying to harm you by revealing your sin. He's trying to heal you by revealing your sin. But not so that you can cover your sin and hide your sin. You, need, you can't cover your sin. You need to be cleansed from your sin. Jesus, like we talked about in chapter six, in the beginning, he didn't choose you and call you his own so that you may belong to him in order that when you join the family of God, you can white knuckle it and try to fight your way through sin to defeat it on your own. Like, that's not why he saved you. He saved you and he resurrected you to call you his own in order that he may kill the sin that leads you to death and destruction. He is the one who can do it. He's the one who raised you from the dead to life by the power of the spirit. And he's the one who kills sin in your life through the power of the spirit. It's the same faith. It's the same faith. So often I find myself, um, I read, I was reading the other day and it it just became very, very real to me that as I'm, I was saved, and I was like, and somebody's like, hey, you're a new creation. I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like going, and they're like, okay, read the Bible, and serve here, and do this, and do that. And they're like, man, you're so good at doing that thing, so you should keep doing it. And maybe this is what God wants you to do. And so I started believing, and then they start telling you, be more like Jesus. I'm like, okay. So I, read, I open up the Bible, and I read it. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 that's good, that's good. Do a quiet time. Memorize scripture, do this, do that, do this, do that. And I started getting this idea in my mind that the more things that I do, the more like Jesus I would be, the less sinful I would be, the more things that I did. And then God smacked me in the face with his love because he told me, you are saved at justification. God has saved you and he is saving you today. Day by day, he's saving you, and he will save you in glory. He didn't resurrect you so that you could fight sin on your own. He resurrected so he could kill sin on your behalf. Verse 22 through 25 says this. Paul says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, 
but I see in my members, like in my body, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Y'all feel that? Y'all feel that like, you know, like in your inner being, because you've been saved, you have the spirit telling you what's good and you like desire, like you want goodness. You want God, you want righteousness, you wanna walk in his ways. But then there's something else that kind of like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but this is how it happens to me. It like comes up in me and it's like trying to find its way out to do something that I don't wanna do. But there's a, this like war raging in me and I can't, I can't seem to stop wanting these things that I don't want. And then Paul also says, he's like, I know the things that I shouldn't do, but I keep on doing the things that I don't wanna do. He said, I wanna do good, but I can't do it. And so he explains that by there's this war going on back and forth in our mind. We call that spiritual warfare against the spirit in your flesh. And when he does that, he, like, he knows that it's this internal turmoil. Like you see this sin and you're like, hey, like here's this pride or whatever it be. And so you try to fix it. You try to do whatever you can and you can't because it keeps popping up somewhere else. And there's just this internal wrestle back and forth and you get exhausted, weary, and tired. You're heavy laden. And you are weary because you're fighting your sin on your own. But that's curious because Jesus says somewhere else, he says, if you are weary and you are heavy laden, what do you do? Come to me. Did he say fight? Did he say white knuckle it? Did he say go, go read the Bible more? Did he say go memorize scripture more? Like do some more holy things, cover it up so no one can see it. No, he says, fully exposed. If you are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you rest for your soul. And Paul knows that. Paul knows that he can't fight sin on his own because it's so deep he doesn't even know where the motives come from. He can't defeat it, but he, knew, he knows who can and he knows who will. Because right after that, he said, wretched, wretched man, he comes to the conclusion, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who? And he says, immediately after, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be to God because we belong to Jesus. Thanks be to God because he doesn't just let you in and make you fight sin on your own. Thanks be to God that you belong to him and you go with him wherever he goes. And wherever you go, he goes because he loves you and he's bought you and he's paid for you. So he doesn't, he, 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 know, he knows your sin and he wants you anyways. You're not just accepted by him, you're wanted by him. You're delighted in by him. He wants to kill your sin because he knows you can't and he's going to. God resurrected your soul from death and, and is now. Day by day, if you're following him, if you're surrendering to him, day by day, he's delivering you from the body of death in order that you may walk in righteousness. You may walk in the fullness of life that he offers to you. And so this happens day by day. And so um, your action, if you will, at this, like what do you do with this truth? What do you do from the scripture of Romans 7? Your action after this is just to surrender to Jesus, to know that you can't fight that sin in your heart the sin that causes you to do these things with your hands, to know you can't do it. And you surrender to him and you confess it to him, Lord, I know that I can't, but you can. I don't know how, but you do know how. Will you save me from this body of death? Will you cleanse me of this sin? I, I shouldn't cover it because you see it anyways. And you want me to come to you, so I'm here. Save me, Jesus, today. 
like you did on the first day. And after you confess it to Jesus, confess it to your friends because God wants to invite the body of Christ to you to comfort you. And then when they pray for you, you begin to be healed. I just saw a girl hug. Yes, I love that. That's the body of Christ. She went like this. Um, But that's what he calls us to do. And listen, Regen, if you do this, I promise you that he will come through on his promises to you. He always keeps his promise. He loves you. Tonight we're gonna hear about Ethan, his story, and the way that God has changed his heart. When he realized his sin and his need for Jesus and he relied upon him, he began to heal him. We're gonna hear that story tonight. So give it a hand for Ethan.